The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, hey, hey! Hey, you guys. <gasps> oh, my God! Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Jimmy, <laughs> and I will be your skipper on this episode of the tour. And with me, as always, is my first mate and little buddy of the show, Tag. Hey, how are you there, buddy? I'm good, buddy. <laughs> and on this podcast, we celebrate celebrate classic, iconic TV shows as we break them down one episode at a time. What we do, Tag, as you know, mm-hmm. we take that episode. We damn sure do. We break its ass down. Oh, break it. Break it down. We bet $3 million knowing damn right well we're not going to pay it all to someone who calls his boss daddy. <laughs> all for you, the listener. <laughs> On today's episode, we look at Gilligan's Island, season one, episode 13, entitled $3 million, more or less. If you haven't watched the episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might make it a hell of a lot more funny if you do. Gilligan's Island is available to stream nowhere mm. for free, mm. but it is available for purchase on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Or you can do what me and Tack did and buy the series DVD box set. We bought it through our Amazon affiliate link on our website at www.averybradypodcast.com slash shop because it was a great way to support the show. <laughs> good job, Daddy. I changed it up. See that? <laughs> you did, Daddy. It's good. Daddy, dad, dad, daddy <laughs> Oh, we should have added that one. That would have been cool. All right. <laughs> so how's it going? How was your week? My week was good. It was good. Good. Um, yeah. yeah, it was good at work, good at home. Uh, ate uh, dinner at the parents' house uh, one night. Me and my son went over okay. there. It was nice. Right. Good food. Good times. Okay. Good conversation. Right. And then uh, at work is showing some promise because it looks like I maybe looked at for a possible promotion. Oh, already. damn. Oh, shit. Getting trained in a new system. Jimmy might not know anything about SMT, but I'm, I'm learning about SMT. I know it's something. Damn. I know, I know you don't know anything about that, but I'll explain no, it to you. I don't you. know shit about that. I don't know what you're talking about. What <laughs> SMT? What is a cement? What's cement? It's cement. Is what no. Oh, cement? Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about cement. No. No. <laughs> no, no, it's not cement. But I'm getting trained in a new department, which uh, could be cool. Um, I had one of the big wig boss come over and he was like, hey, you're stirring up things around here. And uh, I was like, well, I try. <laughs> And, uh, and <laughs> he's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, um, so I see you're training over here at SMT. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, yeah, the woman that's in charge, she said that for me to not to fill the spot and she wants to give you a chance. And if Very you nice. like it and you do well, then it's more money. And I was like, oh, yeah. Act like I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, I didn't know that. So tell me you weren't tempted to go, give me a chance. Like, <laughs> A little shop. Tell me you weren't you weren't, me you weren't trying to do that. You probably did that shit under your breath. Hold on, let me pull out this app on my phone and play it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't do that. You know, like a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done it. 
<sighs> but how was your week? It was good. I mean, I, I didn't eat at my parents' house. I haven't done that in like 24 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but had a couple of photo shoots. I had one last weekend, one this weekend. No oh, fun. So that was fun. Okay. Just that, that just, you know, because is sorry, it because like you. your famous podcaster and you're going to be like on a cover of magazine? Is this Calvin Klein stuff you shot? No, for? it's the last week was for, um, a, a good friend of mine that's pregnant. No, it's not mine. Um, <laughs> So she wanted pregnancy pictures done. I had done their engagement pictures. I had done their wedding photos. Um, and now I did their their first pregnancy photos. And we're already planning on when the baby's born, going back to where we did their engagement shoot and doing baby pictures from the same location as their baby shoot. It's a lot, oh, trying to, you know, the same picture, same outfits, but this time they have a baby kind of thing. Gotcha. You're trying to get the exclusive rights. Like you make them sign yeah. like, I have the exclusive rights to this child's graduation pictures, engagement, yeah. wedding, and all yep. that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Smart, smart. Yep. Well, I mean, when I was talking about cover of magazines, I wasn't making fun of you as a photographer. It was making, because the way you say it, it sounds like you're the one being taken. I had a photo shoot I had oh, to go oh, to. Oh, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> earlier I was talking to my son and I said something about, oh, it's Jimmy talking about he's on his way to a photo shoot. And Jimmy was like, or Jimmy, why? My son was like, <laughs> Your son's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> he's like photo shoot he's like what and I was like yeah you know Jimmy's a photographer and he was like oh right I was thinking like <laughs> <laughs> your son's like you know like you know is he gonna send him to you ah <laughs> oh, yeah so yeah make sure you you Explain to people that you're the photographer. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I'm wearing a shirt right now that has a picture of an old school camera with a flash thing on the side. Yeah. You know, the really neat flash units that you can't find anymore because people make fucking lightsabers out of them, those ones. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about, but are you talking about the little the cubes? No, no. The Darth Vader's lightsaber is actually a flash from a Graflex camera. And you can't find them anymore as a collector of photography equipment because these people keep making fucking lightsabers on them. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But I like to wear the shirt when I go on photo shoots. It's got a picture of a camera on and it says, I've been known to flash people. So <laughs> uh, uh-huh. it's kind of funny. It's funny. That's funny. So what so what what did you think of this episode? Oh. Um uh, it was okay. Um, there was a this one scene I really liked in it. Um, I can't remember what it was, but oh, it was the scene where um, Mr. Howell was in um, negotiating with Gilligan after he owed him. It was and basically gave him the deed to his corporation, or whatever. It was a right. fun little scene because it was really fast paced and a lot of physical comedy and a lot of like funny dialogue too. And I just thought right. it was the two of them together just did a really good job in that scene. My favorite one was when they were playing pool, spoiler, when they were playing pool yeah. and then Carol comes out and asks, you know, if they're ready to eat dinner and then Bobby comes out and, oh wait, sorry, that was Brady, but that was a different episode. Sorry. That was, was that Jim Back? Isn't that too? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> that's God. That's he was right. the boss. That's yeah. right. And when, when Lovey comes in, aren't you guys going to come eat? Yeah, dinner's getting cold. Like that's almost the same line Carol said in the Brady Bunch. Like <laughs> that's right, and it was all revolving around a bet, like the whole thing. That's right. Like, he played Mr. Matthews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the big. So big I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, they like to recycle ideas. <laughs> like first the tiki, now the pool table. Like damn, I'm getting Hope Juba on the phone right now. Right, like I'm. I'm. Pull, I'll pull up my phone right now. Say I won't. You won't. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Pool table, shocking. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. He won't stop playing. Yep, there it is. He won't stop. I wonder if Robert Reed called him out on that shit. <laughs> do you, know, you, you think he knew? Do you think he knew Gilligan's Island enough? Where he's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> Didn't the tiki you just, thing I get you j- because you, you wanted just did this in Gilligan's Island. Are you serious with this right now? I'll, I'll let the tiki thing go because you want some. You wanted Vincent Price on the show so bad, <laughs> and he couldn't do Bra- he couldn't do Gilligan's Island. I get that. But come on, really? You're gonna recycle the the pool table idea too with the same fucking guy? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Jim Beckett shows up on set. You ready for your script? He's like, I already, I, I did the same episode a couple years ago. (laughs) I already got the script. Well, I think I think on next week's episode, I think it's the one where where Lovey is like really demanding and wants the professor to build a hut for, her and you know gives her gives him plans to build a hut, and you know, never mind. I <laughs> Don't try to the Brady Bunch. How is that a part of the Brady Bunch? Because remember, the girl that played Lovey was on an episode of the Brady Bunch. Oh shit! <laughs> Literally the week before Jim Beckus was. <laughs> In fact, Jim Baxter's character references her. Well, they <laughs> reference each other, but yeah, she played. Uh, I forgot her name, but yeah, she's really difficult. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's next week's episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, <sighs> I wonder if um Sam shows up on the island at some point. I feel like he would <laughs> because he was like in a lot of shit back then. I don't know. I know um, the dude that was on Tron shows up. The I think dude he was, was on. about Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he pretty. He shows up when he when he was a little kid. He was on this, and then oh, wow. I everybody at work keeps telling me that the Harlem Globetrotters show up. Like, what? <laughs> I feel like that would be a thing, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm waiting for like Scooby Doo and Shaggy to show up at this point. <laughs> Why is everybody at work telling you that? I don't know. You just walk My, down the was, hall and be like, "Hey, Jimmy." Did you see the Globetrotters episode? I'm like, no. Well, well, like every time they talk, I, I mentioned Gilligan's Island. They're like, you've seen that episode yet where Harlem Globetrotters? I'm like, why does everyone keep saying that? Like, oh, yeah, Harlem Globetrotters show. Okay, I didn't realize there was such a, like, a cult classic. Like, I didn't realize that many people were into them. Um, <laughs> all right, well, I guess on that note, okay. I guess we will take our first break because yeah, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you, but... I'm not exhausted moving my all. jaw like this. Damn, I haven't had that much practice since. Well, never mind, almost, <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and take our first break, and then when we get back, we will um, we will put into this. I don't know. I was trying to think of a funny pun, but I can't think of one. Mm, I'll let you try again. Go ahead. Go one more. All right. When we get back, we'll stroke into this. That yeah, sounds huh? like a medical issue. Okay. Okay. We'll 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 birdie into this. We'll we'll club into this. Huh? We'll be back. Coming in the fall of 2022, Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel inspired by the toys and cartoons of the 1980s. Click the link in today's show notes to preview now. The book follows 11-year-old Tommy Grant, who is trying to deal with some unfavorable circumstances in his otherwise tranquil life in rural 1980s Ohio. He retreats to the thing he loves most, the Order of Cosmic. 
long-running animated TV program and line of toys that provides Tommy with a much-needed boost of joy, especially when he discovers that the manufacturer is holding a nationwide create-a-character contest. The winning design will be made into an action figure and be sold the world over, with its creator becoming president for a day at the headquarters of the manufacturer. But when Tommy's character design loses out, his world begins to crumble, and you can only think of one way to fix it. Find the kid that submitted the winning design and try to convince him to help make Tommy's dream come true. Visit orderofcosmicchampions.com now where you can read about the inspiration for the new book, watch the teaser trailer, listen to the official theme song, Stand or Fall by Stan Bush. See action figure designs based on the Order of Cosmic Champions characters. And sign up for updates on the novel's progress and upcoming release date. That's orderofcosmicchampions.com or click the link in today's show notes. Tommy and the Order of Cosmic Champions, a new novel by Anthony Rapino and Anthony Great. Coming in the fall of 2022. All right, um, we will we will drop our balls into it. Mm. We will <laughs> we will roll our balls across the grass into its hole. Okay, we're we're just back now, so okay, all right. So, anyways, um, yeah, I guess we're back. Um, we have Gilligan's Island, season one, episode thirteen, entitled Three Million Dollars, more or less. So let's get into this. Some facts about the episode. It first aired December 26th, the day after Christmas, mm. 1964. Mm. Written by Bill Davenport. I think it's Bill Charles Davenport. Davenport? That's how they say it where you're from. In <laughs> Illinois. Um, <laughs> written by, and I said Illinois on purpose because people take it irritated by that. <laughs> written by Bill Davenport, Charles Tannen, Sam Locke, and Joel Rapp. Mm. Man, a lot of writers on this show. Yeah. Directed by four writers to just rewrite an episode of the Brady Bunch. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Uh, Directed by Tom Montgomery. Mm. According to IMDb, 25 cents double or nothing would take approximately 25 holes in one to get $3 million. Huh? You know, like a liar. Um, That's wrong. That's wrong because oh. 25 would give you $8 million. I did the math. So that's full of shit. Huh. Um, but it talks about it now. When the skipper stopped the game, Gilligan really should have had $4,194,304, which equals to 2022 money, Ooh. $40 million, oh. No. Yes. $40,158,160 and 70 cents. Damn. I did the math and you'll either end up at 4 million or 8 million. You will not end at 3 million. It's impossible to end at 3 million. So mm. they're full of shit. Damn, IMDb, get your shit no. together. 
The origin of Ginger's white SS minnow dress is revealed to have been made from Gilligan's duffel bag. Mm-hmm. She made it from Gilligan's sack. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's odd that Gilligan had never noticed it before. Yeah. Since she'd worn it several times already. I know. That's weird. And, and I'm really surprised that... <laughs> She didn't use it as like her, because at the time she was trying to hit on him. She should have been right, like, right. this is like familiar. It's your sack all over my body. See, what I was thinking she was going to do is like, yeah, I made it out of your duffel bag. <laughs> do you want it back? Like, right? <laughs> if I was a girl, I would totally use that line. That's perfect. And if I was him, I would have been like, yes. <laughs> Seriously, like I would get so much dick with that. Like, that's like the perfect line. <laughs> Fucking newbie. <laughs> in Goodbye Island, the professor tries stuff in me. <laughs> in Goodbye Island, the professor tries to unsuccessfully, you know, like socks and, <laughs> and maybe your all walk of man, your clothes, your Walkman. In, uh, <laughs> in Goodbye Island, the professor tries to unsuccessfully to make that's really maybe weird. even like some of your shower gear. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some bananas. Um, and goodbye island, the professor tries unsuccessfully to make nails to repair the minnow. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the episode, the skipper hands Gilligan a hammer. Pineapples. She could totally put pineapples in there. 100% pineapples. Pineapples, that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the skipper hands Gilligan a hammer. And orders him to start hammering nails to build a tower. Mm-hmm. By this point, either the professor had figured out how to make nails <laughs> or some were discovered. Well, see, I assume that the nails were like repurposed from the minnow or something. Like That's true. true. I just assume that he just, the minnow is no good. So let's just take all the nails out and use them. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Makes sense. <sighs> all right. So are you ready to fade in? I am ready to fade in. In that case, let's fade in. We fade in. Our story begins exactly where it was last time on the island. Is this scene we one? F- no, no, what scene one? Oh, did I not say scene one? I thought I did. Scene one. <laughs> Our story begins exactly where it was last time. On the island. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. But we are first treated to an establishing shot showing the minnow sitting on the beach. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> After that, we see Gilligan standing on the beach of, Lago- of the lagoon about to swing a golf club. Mm. When he does, he overswings and falls down. <laughs> but quickly gets back up to try once more. But just as he's about to swing, he looks up and says, Hi, Skipper. The camera then reveals that the skipper is standing in front of him, staring at him with his arms folded. Mm. Once noticed, the skipper asks, what are you doing, Gilligan? Gilligan explains, uh, Mr. Howell's teaching me how to play golf. He even gave me a club to use. The skipper picks up a tool and begins walking towards Gilligan, smiling, saying, and I gave you this hammer to use. God. <laughs> Gilligan explains, I just took a little time out to practice my driving. The skipper calmly says, well, if you'd like to practice your driving, Gilligan, start on those nails. Oh, shit. Gilligan immediately hands the skipper the club and grabs the hammer. The skipper points up and says, I want that tower finished by tonight. 
Gilligan asks with some sass, <laughs> well, why the big rush? Just because you dreamt a ship will go by the island? The skipper, seeing that Gilligan doesn't buy into it, says, well, don't forget, Gilligan, this is the third night in a row I've had that dream. Gilligan comes back with, come on, Skipper, you don't believe in dreams. <laughs> the Skipper, now getting fired up, says, and what's more, this is the third day of the week of the third month. Oh, shit. With all those threes coming up, are you going to tell me that I'm wrong? Mm. Gilligan, seeing that he's being set up, says, oh, no, I won't tell you you're wrong because you're three times bigger than I am. Mm. The Skipper stands up straight, points and says, then get to work. Damn. Once Gilligan gets to work, the skipper relaxes a little and says, really, Gilligan, when I have these dreams, they always come true. Gilligan channeling Mike's bullshit detector says, <laughs> well, not always. How about that time you dreamt I was going to hit you in the jaw? The skipper looks deadpan and simply says, well, Gilligan continues. I wouldn't do a thing like that. That'd be mutiny. The skipper laughs and says, yeah. Gilligan continues saying, not only that, it'd be suicide. Hmm. The skipper not denying it and still laughing like a sadistic dipshit he is says, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Gilligan reiterates, you see, there's nothing to these dreams. He then hands the skipper the hammer, takes back his golf club and says, here, watch my practice swing and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Gilligan takes a stance as the skipper begins walking around him saying, hmm, all right. All right, Gilligan. Gilligan, remembering what Mr. Howell told him, begins saying, head down, left arm stiff, keep your eye on the ball. Gilligan lifts the clubs to swing, but feels like he hit something. He thinks for a moment and says, was that you, Skipper? The Skipper, holding his face, says, uh-huh. Gilligan, looking nervous, asks, where did I hit you? The Skipper says, right in the jaw. Hmm. Gilligan nervously turns around and says, just like you dreamt, huh? The skipper still holding his jaw, grits his teeth and says, yep, just like I dreamt. Gilligan, who wasn't born yesterday, says, <laughs> well, I better get back to work. That ship could be coming any minute. The skipper then gives a Jim Halpert and breaks the golf club. <laughs> so a lookout tower. Yes. Didn't Gilligan come up with that idea way back when he was the president? He did. You are correct. He even had all the supplies ready to go and nobody wanted to help. Yep. Interesting. I guess we can say, well, that's a big supplies. <laughs> and my, how the turntables. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, though. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if Gilligan was like, gee, where'd <laughs> you come up with that idea? Um, <laughs> I remember because he had to specifically explain what a lookout tower was to the girls because Ginger had no idea what a lookout tower was, even though it's literally in the name. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a lookout tower would be a good idea if you're stupid. Um, <laughs> just a thought because I mean, there's a, a big ass mountain like literally right behind him in the establishing shot that's way bigger than any tower they could build. <laughs> so I mean... But then you have to like walk all the way up the mountain. You can do that every instead time. Instead of instead of climbing all the way up a lookout tower? Yeah, lookout tower is right here. You may have to hike like a few miles and then have to also hike up a mountain. If your life depended on this and you're trying to get off an island, would you rather chance it on a like a twenty five foot lookout tower or like a three hundred foot hill? 
You know what uh-huh. I mean? A 300 foot hill is going to go out like 60 or 80 miles, especially if you light a fire on top of it. Mm-hmm. A 20 to 25 foot one, that's only going to go like 20 miles. Yeah, I would definitely maybe even think about setting up what? like something to set fire, like you were saying, on top yeah. of the mountain. Something that you can light from the ground and the fire travels up to the tower up on top of the mountain. Well, why not be- make a lookout tower on top of the mountain? Boom. Well, I would still keep one nearby. Yeah. But, um, but I swear he's trying to make Gilligan commit suicide. Gilligan's going to just fucking snap one of these days and be like, I can't take this shit anymore. Cause he's already like on an Island. Everybody fucking hates him. He's forced. <laughs> like he's basically a slave on the Island. He has to do everything for everybody. They're yeah. going to find his ass hanging from a tree or something, man. <laughs> yeah. Poor Gilligan. Poor, poor kid. Good thing. He has Marianne. <laughs> Scene two. Later, we see Mr. Hal dressed up and playing golf. Then we see Levy nervously looking on. We then see that Mr. Howell is playing on grass. Sorry, grass? <laughs> grass? He takes the shot and exclaims, Oh, I never thought I'd make that one. What did I get on the hole, dear? Levy, holding a parasol, looks at her paper and says, Now let me see. Three, four. You did much better this time, darling. You got a 34. <laughs> Mr. Alex Hadley says, 34? I finally parred the hole. Wow. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Levy stands and says, oh, I'm so happy for you. Are you going to play another round? Mr. Howell says, no, I think I'll practice a little. The oyster shell putter just doesn't feel right. Levy cheerfully says, of course it doesn't. There's no R in the month. <laughs> Thurston perhaps not I have not no getting... idea what the fuck that meant. <laughs> <laughs> Means I guess he's only good a couple times a year. I don't know. Mm. Thurston, perhaps not getting the joke, just walks away. Levy says, I'll see you back at the hut, dear. Thurston begins to practice, but first looks around, then kicks the ball a little closer to the hole. He smiles, then walks up to the ball to swing. But just as he's about to swing, Gillingham comes up with parts to the tower and loudly says, Hi, Mr. Howell. (laughs) The sound startles him, making him miss the ball. Frustrated, he says, Look, Gilligan, never talk when a man is putting. Gilligan quickly says, Sorry, Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell sees Gilligan as being genuine. Yes, that's perfectly all right. But just as he's about to swing again, Gilligan says, But just wanted to say hello. Mr. Howe, now getting frustrated, says, Go stand over there, will you? Putting is the hardest part of the game. It requires the utmost silence. (laughs) Just as Mr. Howe is about to putt again, Gilligan whispers, I won't say another word. (laughs) Mr. Howe quickly turns around and says, Really, Gilligan? Seriously with this? (laughs) But Gilligan, calling bullshit, says, Sorry, but I don't see what's so tough about it. Thurston, not believing his ears, repeats, You don't see what's so tough about it? Oh, just try. Go ahead. He goes to hand Gilligan his club. But Gilligan says, I better not. The skipper told me. But Gilligan is interrupted by Thurston yelling, I don't care what the skipper says. Go ahead. Putt. So easy. Putt. Look at this stupid thing. This is going to be hilarious. Look how he's standing. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) (laughs) Gillian, one-handed, hits the ball and sinks the putt. Thurston shocked to get the ball, saying, well, that was just beginner's luck. Besides, I wasn't 
I wasn't talking while you were putting, my boy. Just try putting while someone is saying something stupid like, Hello, Mr. Howe. Sorry, Mr. Howe. Looks easy. Looks easy to me, Mr. Howe. <laughs> Has a thing on his shoulder and, and goes, Stomp, 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 stomp. You just try putting while I'm talking. Go ahead, putt while I'm talking. Hello, Mr. Howe. Who's Mr. Howe? <laughs> comes back with, I did. Thurston nervously asks, Well, where's the ball? Gilligan and Mr. Howe say together, In the hole. Is that good? That's unbelievable. Beginner's luck. 20 bucks says you can't do it again. Bring it on. <laughs> Thurston, <laughs> now getting upset, runs to get the ball again and says, well, that's two lucky breaks. That doesn't mean a darn thing. Tell you what I'll do. I'll bet you anything you can't do it again. Gilligan sheepishly says, all I got is a quarter, Mr. Howell. <laughs> Mr. Howell says, all right, that's good. You know, when you're putting with money, there's pressure. Mr. Howe puts the ball down, but pressed it down in the grass to make it harder to hit and says, there, try putting when you're... But before you can finish the sentence, Gilligan hits the ball into the hole. He casually <laughs> looks at Thurston and says, I'll see you later, Mr. Howe. I'm going to get this over to the tower. But as Gilligan tries to walk away, Thurston grabs the frame and pulls him back saying, no, you don't. Absolutely not. As he tries to pull Gilligan back, Gilligan continues to walk, causing the two to dance around in a circle, both holding onto the frame. Thurston says, give me a chance to get my money back. Gilligan tries to explain, but the skipper told me, but Thurston once again says, I don't care what the skipper told you. <laughs> All right, listen. Thurston grabs another ball and says, this one, double or nothing. Then he begins talking to himself, saying, oh, the pressure. This one's for 50 cents. <laughs> Gilligan once again hit the ball into the hole. Thurston closes his eyes in frustration. Gilligan looks at him and asks, Now can I go, Mr. Howell? <laughs> Thurston barks back, I'll tell you when you can go. Thurston grabs another ball and says, Young man, I think your luck is running out. He puts, he puts the ball down and says, This one's for a dollar. But before he even gets the entire sentence out, Gilligan has already made the ball in. One more time. Double or nothing. You better pay up. <laughs> Thurston, mm. gives, Thurston gives him a look and says, two dollars. Says I'm right. He turns around and grabs another ball. <sighs> you can, In the establishing shot, I know you're not looking really at the establishing shots, but in the establishing shot, you can actually see a hut on the beach. Like I thought that was kind of neat. That's the first time mm. I'd seen that. That's cool. Um, so I don't understand when do they have since when do they have manicured lawns on the island like <laughs> manicured lawns like when do they have grass on the island like when I don't know I'm sure there's probably grass somewhere I don't um, know. yeah but not like somebody's lawn <laughs> <laughs> well maybe he cut it maybe he went uh, maybe all the way down there and cut I don't know um it looks like they did the putt with like a piece of string like look there was a string in the hole and it, they had just dragged the ball into the hole uh, just the way it was bouncing around and so. Um, plus you can kind of see it a little bit. Um, I love, I love how like Thurston, like Jim Backus, I love how he looks around before he cheats, like by kicking the ball, like, <laughs> like anybody would give a shit. Like he's the only one playing golf in the whole aisle. Like, now why would you cheat when it's just you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And why would you look around and feel guilty about it? Who gives a shit? Like, um, <laughs> and he's only practicing anyway, so it doesn't matter where the ball is. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought there was a bit of a, like an Abbott and Costello feel to this. 
like with the whole okay. farce kind of thing going on. Like, I, I don't know. It felt that. like that in some parts. Um, yeah. But also, those look like actual golf balls, which they had already said in a previous episode they didn't have golf balls, so they used the pits of, of avocados. Yeah, yeah. Avocado they didn't look so. like avocado pits to me. It looked like a golf ball. <laughs> yeah. So. Maybe he brought golf balls. Yeah. Maybe. He didn't last time, so that'd be weird if he did. <laughs> must have went back and got them. <laughs> All right. Scene three. Later that night, we see Thurston standing next to Gilligan with a torch. Still at it with Gilligan, trying to win his bet back. Thurston urges Gilligan, come on, Gilligan, putt. Gilligan, straining to see, says, but I can't see the hole. (laughs) Hmm. Thurston says, well, I can see it. Double or nothing. He bends down to place the ball, inadvertently putting the torch in Gilligan's face. Gilligan, sensing he's going to be in trouble, says, I ought to be going, Mr. Howell. Thurston insists, you're not going anywhere. Nobody Hmm. hustles me on a golf course. Mm -hmm. Gilligan getting irritated, raises his voice saying, but you said we could quit at 1030. Hmm. Thurston raises his voice even more and says, will you stop watching the clock and putt? Gilligan hits the ball, watches it roll and hears the ball go into the hole. Gilligan immediately says, I'm sorry, Mr. Howell, but I think I did it again. Oh, shit. Pretty oh bitch. shit. Thurston yells, cut out the chatter. Will you Gilligan? We'll be out here all night. I'll light the hole. Come on and putt. <laughs> I'll light the hole. You put your ball in it. Um, <laughs> Gilligan thinks out. Hell yeah. <laughs> like me and you haven't done that before. <laughs> Gilligan thinks out loud and says, I wonder what the skipper's going to say. But as he turns around, he's face to face with a yelling skipper saying, I'll tell you what he's going to say. Gilligan, fearing for his safety, says, never mind, skipper. I think I can guess. Thurston, seeing his bet is being interrupted, runs over and says, will you please get off? (laughs) (laughs) The putting green. (laughs) Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. Gilligan and I have a little bet. The skipper looks at Mr. Hal confused and asks, a bet? Gilligan, what have I told you about gambling? Gilligan says, I know, skipper, but I only bet a quarter and I won. The skipper grabs Gilligan by the arm and walks him aside saying, you won. Don't you realize that's the worst thing that could have happened to you? Mm. Gilligan questions saying, it is? Hmm. The skipper explains, certainly. You'd have been better off if you had lost 25 cents. Thurston then butts in saying, yes, I couldn't agree with you more. Come on, Gilligan putt. The skipper then tries to protect Gilligan saying, just a moment, Mr. Hal. This boy doesn't know what he's doing. He then leads Gilligan away again and says, Gilligan, I know what's going on in your mind. Gilligan again confused. Okay, a fucking surprise. <laughs> exactly. Says, you do? The skipper says, certainly. You've gotten a little ahead. And it seems a pretty easy way of making some money. Gilligan agrees, saying, sure does. The skipper then asks, how much do you think you can win? Gilligan says, six million dollars if I sink this butt. (laughs) The skipper, not having heard what Gilligan just said, says, you see, a whole afternoon wasted. And for what? The skipper then realizes what was said and exclaims, what? Gilligan explains, I already won three million dollars. We're playing double or nothing. 
The skipper then smiles and tells Gilligan, put that putter down, Gilligan. He then mm-hmm. loudly says, the game is over. This does not make the ribosomes happy. <laughs> Thurston comes over upset, saying, just a moment, Captain. But the skipper insists, this game's over, Mr. Howell. And frankly, I'm surprised. I didn't realize you were that sort of man. Thurston still angrily asks, what sort of man? The skipper says, the sort of man who'd take advantage of this boy because he has a lot of money. Mm -hmm. The skipper smiles and walks away. Why why would Mr. Howell continue on with betting Gilligan? Like, what's he trying to gain? Like... He He's just trying to get his money back. Like, he won't win any money. So, I mean, was it really just to see if he'd miss so he can finally say, ha, I knew you weren't any good? You know, yeah, like, I, think, I think he was going to keep it going until Gilligan missed. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, but on that point, I would think that the professor would have paid him early on, like the, you know, 50 cents or whatever, and been like, when we get back, I am 100% putting you, like, on the PGA. You know what I mean? Like, if he's that hmm. good at putting, like, that's how we get more story all over again. He can make tons of money off of Gilligan. <laughs> it's true. Um, But man, that fire was close to his face. Holy shit. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Dude, too. and that's like, a real damn. fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, Mr. Howell, Mr. Howell is so funny with his facial expressions. Like, if <laughs> yeah. you really pay attention to his facial expressions, he's pretty, pretty damn funny. <laughs> um, So, yeah, this is where I put, if they were doing double or nothing, it wouldn't end on three or six million, it would have gone to four or eight million. Um, but yeah, mm. again, I can't believe they use a real fire on the set. But <laughs> why is the skipper so happy? He didn't win anything. <laughs> well, why is the rest of them so happy? Because it, Gilligan won. Well, the rest of them are just kind of flirting with him and stuff. But the skipper's all like all giddy and shit. Like he didn't win a damn thing. Like why is he so happy? Hmm. So it just irritates me. I don't like because he's like his them. daddy. Yeah. scene four back on the beach we see gilligan kneeling on the beach of the lagoon with the professor who's stroking a fire but the professor he's got something on his face it was like this strange really grotesque like vile looking infestation on his face or something it was like no that's a that was a smile Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I saw what you were talking about. That's, yeah, that was a smile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that before <laughs> on him. I, I didn't know he could do that. But all right. Well, anyway, the professor says with a smile, <laughs> <laughs> "I'd love to have seen the look in his face when he won all that money from him last night." <laughs> Gilligan quips, "So would I, but it was too dark." <laughs> He then goes to stand up using the professor as support and about pushes him into the fire. I don't know if that was planned or not, but that was actually really funny. It was. After the professor almost burns his nuts off, <laughs> he says, watch out the fire, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> the professor sarcastically says, thanks, Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan then walks over to the table, but runs into Ginger, who's sitting at it. She says, Gilligan, come over here. (laughs) She then, in a flirtatious manner, says, sit down next to me. But Marianne cockblocks Ginger by running up and quickly sitting down, saying, and me. Oh, shit. She leans on Gilligan and says, oh, gee, Gilligan, I'm so proud of you. You know what I'm going to do? 
fix you anything you like for breakfast tomorrow morning. Oh, shit. Mm. Mm. Marianne butts in saying, and I'll fix you anything you like for lunch. Oh, shit. Gilligan asks, how come everybody's being so nice? Ginger seductively says, because you're so sweet and tall and handsome. <laughs> Marianne follows it up with, I'll say. Ginger kisses her finger and saying, there's a lot of reasons. But before she can put it on Gilligan, probably knock him out again. <laughs> the cockblock skipper comes mm-hmm. up saying, yep, about three million of them. Come on, little buddy. I think we better have a little talk. Gillian says, okay, Skipper. And they walk off, but not before Gillian tries to sit back down with the girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, dude, it's so strange seeing the professor smile. It's like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That was weird. What was that on his face? It was kind of like that. Now I know, like, how they felt in a million ways to die in the West when they talk about somebody actually smiling in a photograph. (laughs) Now I know what they feel like. Like, what the, what is that? Like, he looks insane. It's kind of like um in in Alien where they had like the face hugger on and it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. the fuck is that yeah that's what I thought it was at first um and but I put who's the skipper kidding if the shoe was on the other foot he would be all over that shit of course he would but he doesn't want to see Gillian get it he would have them fanning him and like you know going down on him and shit you know he would like grapes <laughs> 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 with the other one was licking his balls yeah yeah right. And he wouldn't even, he probably wouldn't even like tell Gilligan, like, you know, to stop. Um, <laughs> um, oh, but geez. did you notice how much firewood was in that fire? That fire would have lasted about five minutes. <laughs> no, I didn't see. It was just like, like 10 twigs. And that's, that's like all it was. <laughs> yeah, all I can say is about the skipper is what a dick. Huge dick. Mm. I, I I mean I didn't see him, but I'm just I'm his oh. personality was a huge dick. Like he does, oh, I don't know if he has you. one. He might have a huge dick. Anyways, <laughs> scene five. The skipper and Gilligan quickly step into a hut to talk alone. Mm. Gilligan immediately asks, Did I do something wrong, Skipper? The skipper with a big creepy smile says, hmm. Of course not. Sit down. But before Gilligan can sit, the skipper pulls him back and says, here, take my chair. Relax. (laughs) Want some nitrous oxide? (laughs) (laughs) Gilligan sits and immediately gets down to business asking, what did you want to talk to me about, skipper? Mm -hmm. The skipper sits across from Gilligan and says, Gilligan, you've never had $3 million before, have you? (laughs) Gilligan thinks long. And hard. Oh, shit. Finally saying, "Mm, no, no, sorry, I haven't. (laughs) The skipper, getting all excited, says, I didn't think so. Let me tell you something. You'll find a big change in some of the people around here. Gilligan asks, what do you mean? The skipper goes on. Take this morning, for example. Number one, the professor, has he ever smiled? No, he doesn't say. <laughs> the professor is always an asshole. He's never <laughs> offered to build you a fire before, right? Gilligan wide-eyed says, oh, right. 
The skipper says, number two, T, number two, <laughs> Marianne never offered to, fu- I mean, to, to fix you a <laughs> special breakfast before, right? Gilligan says, well, not of food. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, if you know what I'm saying. And I think you do. Hell yeah, a little breakfast before breakfast. Mmm, a little morning delight. <laughs> oh. The skipper says, number three. Ginger never offered to fix you lunch before, right? Gilligan confirms, right. What about number four? The skipper turns confused, asking, number four? Gilligan says, yeah. I've never sat in your chair before. Hell yeah. (laughs) The skipper, fighting off frustration, says, right. Believe me, it won't be the last time. Hmm. Little buddy, anytime you have a problem... I want you to come into this hut, <laughs> sit in my chair, and tell your skipper all about it. You know, like a liar. <laughs> Gilligan Confused asks, you know, like, tell you all about what? <laughs> the skipper explains anything you're worried about. Gilligan <laughs> stands and says, skipper, I'm not worried about anything. Skipper says, but that's impossible. <laughs> Just as they're talking, Mr. Hal begins eavesdropping on the conversation. The skipper goes on. Anyone with $3 million has got to be worried about something. Gilligan cuts him off saying, Skipper, I don't have it yet. Mr. Howell mm-hmm. owes it to me. The skipper says, well, I wouldn't worry about that. I'll go right now and get the check for $3 million. Mm-hmm. And with a smile on his face, his selfish pompous ass is on his way. Mm-hmm. Gilligan tries to stop him saying, oh, Skipper, you don't have to go through all this trouble. But the skipper, only seeing dollar signs, says, it's no trouble. That's what I'm here for, son. (laughs) Gilligan stops in his tracks and turns to the skipper and says, son. The skipper turns, looks at Gilligan, takes a deep breath and says, Gilligan, that's the way I've always felt about you. You've been like my own toy. I mean... I mean, boy to me. Gilligan asks, I have? Gosh, I didn't know that, Skipper. (laughs) The Skipper, looking hurt, pauses and says, Skipper? Why don't you just call me Daddy? (laughs) Gilligan replies, Okay, Skipper. Skipper tries once again to fight off the frustration, finally losing the battle. He hits... He hits... He hits Gilligan on the shoulder and says, I told you to call me daddy. That's an order. (laughs) Gilligan replies, saluting. Yes, sir, daddy. The skipper once again laughs and grabs Gilligan by the shoulder, laughing and says, that's better. Once the skipper is done with this maniacal laughing, he says, now I'll go find Mr. Hal and get your money. Before leaving, he turns back around and says, and son, don't leave this hut. Sure, Dad. <laughs> Gilligan tries to explain, saying, but Marianne said she'd f- she'd fix me breakfast. The skipper stands proud and says, your father will fix you breakfast <laughs> when he gets back. The skipper, before walking out the door, butts his head on his way out. Gilligan shouts, watch the beam, Daddy. <laughs> the skipper, through gritted teeth, says, thanks a lot, son. Oh, man, who does the skipper think he is? Daddy. I tell you what. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, 
Gilligan's already has a dad, and he's probably a great dad. He probably misses him severely, and now he's got to call some basically kidnapper, you know, <laughs> daddy. Huh. Um, I love how he took the time to think about <laughs> if he ever had that much money. You ever three million dollars? Hmm. You know what? No, no, I haven't. That's just <laughs> funny. Um. It's so creepy seeing the skipper be all nice, man. Like, what the fuck is wrong with him? Like, this yeah. is like a horror movie. Like, this is awful. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but one thing I noticed that's that's a little fucked up is <laughs> the captain's chair has a back, and Gilligan's chair doesn't. It's just a stool. But you know damn right well Gilligan made them both. <laughs> you know he did. He could have easily added one to. He probably didn't have enough material. He's like, oh, well, you know, I'm bigger than you, so I need one. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you know he made it. Scene six. As soon as the skipper leaves the hut, Mister House steps out from literally right in front of the camera and sneaks into the hut with a large briefcase and even larger smile. Mm. As soon as he walks in, he says. Good morning, Gilligan. Is the captain in? Gilligan, still sitting in the captain's chair, says, Now he's out looking for you. Thurston says, I'm sorry I missed him. You know, like a liar. Hmm. <laughs> I just stopped by to pay my debt to you, to give you the check for $3 million that I... But before Thurston finishes the sentence, Gilligan has already fallen out of the chair, trying to reach for the check, but Thurston pulls away just in the nick of time. He continues saying... It's made out, but first of all, you have to fill out an income tax form. Gilligan, unprepared for this, asks, income tax form? Thurston says, yes. I didn't know what your salary was, so I was afraid that $3 million might kick you up a bit in the higher <laughs> income tax bracket. You think? <laughs> Gilligan, now getting nervous, asks, what's this form to fill out? Thurston says, I'd be glad to help you. First of all, you have to list all of your dependents. Do you have a wife or children or anything back home? And Gilligan says, no, but I got a father about five minutes ago. Hi-oh! Oh. Thurston smiles and says, oh, what is wrong with me? This is the wrong paper. He holds up an extraordinary long form and says, this is the short form. Gilligan <laughs> picks it up in disbelief and says, there's a longer form? Thurston says, Yes, there's a much longer form. That's so you can put your money in your corporate structure. Gilligan thinks and says, I thought I'd just put it in my wallet. <laughs> hi -oh. Thurston corrects him, saying, No, with $3 million, my boy, you have to get yourself a tax shelter. Gilligan looks around and says, What's wrong with this place? <laughs> Zing again! Man, he's racking up a thousand, isn't he? <laughs> Thurston says... I don't believe you know what this money could do to you. Gilligan says, so far it's gotten me breakfast, lunch, and a skipper's chair. <laughs> Zing! Thurston smiles and says, you're terribly naive about financial matters. <laughs> that means he's stupid. <laughs> you don't want this money. <laughs> Gilligan, now even more confused, asks, I don't? Thurston continues, no, you'd be much better off instead of the $3 million if I gave you one of my corporations. Gilligan, thinking he'd rather have the money, says, Oh, I couldn't ask you to do a thing like that. Thurston smiles a creepy smile and says, Believe me, we millionaires have to stick <laughs> together. 
Why didn't you tell me you were in such bad shape? Gilligan says, I'm not in bad shape. I'm just tired. You kept me up pretty late last night. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Really, Jimmy? Really? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think you do. Thurston opens his briefcase <laughs> while Gilligan is talking and stumbles upon something. He says, oh, I just happen to have it. This is the corporation for you. How do you say this again? Is it phonetic? Yeah, I think so. No, I didn't T- spell it phonetic, but it's pretty much said phonetic. To hatch up. I got to say it right because it says it like 20 times. To hatch up. To hatch a puku. To hatch a puku. To hatch a puku. So okay. we're trying to, we have a bird named puku and we're trying to hatch okay. it. Okay. To so hatch what do we got to do? What's our goal is? Well, our goal is to, ta- to hatch a puku. Okay. There it is. To yeah. hatch a puku. Okay. <laughs> we're so stupid. We got to leave all that in. <laughs> this is how we studied in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how we barely graduated. On the monopia. <laughs> but then we graduate <laughs> to Hachapuku Oil and Mining Corporation. My boy, do you know anything about oil? Gilligan, ready for another one-liner, says, "No, but I worked in a gas station once." <laughs> oh, <laughs> ew! And Thurston looks at him and says, "The American way, from grease monkey to president of an oil company, mm-hmm. just goes to show you what a man can do if he has a little drive." Gilligan then says, he can do pretty good if he knows how to putt, too. Ooh, damn. <laughs> then suddenly, Mike Brady walks into the hunt. Gilligan stands, picks him up, and drops him <laughs> like a motherfucking boss. <laughs> yeah. Mike made a cameo. Thurston, perhaps not happy with the joke, slams the briefcase, smashing Gilligan's fingers in it in the process. Gilligan pulls out his hand and grabs his fingers as Thurston stands up and says, You oil men have such a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> he then sticks the piece of paper in front of Gilligan and says, You just sign right here. He hands Gilligan a pen, and Gilligan looks as if he's going to sign, but pulls away and asks, Do you think I ought to do this? Yes, definitely. God damn it, George, swear. Thurston, eager to get his scam in motion, says, believe me, it's the only solution. He then mumbles under his breath, at least the only one I can come up with. (laughs) Once Gilligan has completed signing, Thurston takes the pen and says, that's all, simple transfer. Oh, you can (laughs) have the pen. Just then the skipper walks into the hunt saying, I can't find the, oh, here you are. Hmm. Hmm. So, like, what does it matter? I mean, just pay the debt because either Gilligan's going to forget about it when he gets off the island or that check is going to be lost or ruined. So just pay the debt. Like, what does it matter? Like, um, but also I think me and you were the kind of person are the kind of people where if we got that close to people on an island, we probably would kind of hook them up with money if we're fucking millionaires. Um, (laughs) yeah, but what is he, what is he going to do with a check on the island in the first place? Like just have it. Yeah. So what does it matter? Like just, um, I'm sure there's also, I'm sure there's legal, th- legal things that have to happen in order to give somebody a corporation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not just signing a paper. It's not like selling a car where you just sign a paper and now it belongs to them. <laughs> um, I don't know. But also corporation implies that there's employees. 
Yeah. So why bother making a corporation that isn't making money? Because you're still having to pay the employees. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> well, this is uh, the scene I was talking about. It's a good scene. All the yeah, fast yeah, yeah. pace and a lot of physical comedy. What was really funny is it, it wasn't really described in the epi- or in the scene, but um, when he first walks in, Thurston walks in, he basically wanted the chair. And so he like oh. held out the check and Gilligan reached out for it, but then he fell out of the chair. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and then Thurston walks around and sits in his chair. You know, okay. It's a power move, total power move. Okay. <laughs> But uh, it's pretty cool and a little questionable as to why Mr. Howell brought with him corporate documents along with blank tax forms and exactly, all that yeah, yeah. for a three-hour tour. It's just like, yeah. all right. Hmm. It's almost as if the Howells knew mm. that it wasn't going to be a three-hour tour. Maybe we've been too hard on Mary Antech. Maybe. Maybe it's the Howells we should worry about. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. dun dun, dun. Scene seven. The skipper looks at Thurston. Wait a second. Wait a second. Scene what? Oh, 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 no. That was my, sorry. My mic was messed. Let me plug it back in now. Okay. okay. All right. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> Scene seven. Oh, there it is. Yeah, the wire was loose. Okay. The skipper looks at Thurston with a huge grin. Thurston says, yes, I just stopped by to settle my debt with Gilligan. The skipper says, fine, Mr. Howell. I hope you'll accept my apology. Thurston walks to the skipper saying, apology? Apology for what? The skipper says, for all the things I said about you while I was looking for you. Mm-hmm. He then nudges Thurston, and soon the two men are laughing at something. The skipper gestures to the paper and says, well, I guess we better put Mr. Howell's check in a safe place. Say Gilligan? Mm-hmm. And they both say Gilligan. <laughs> no. Mr. Howell pats his jacket saying, I've done that. It's right here in my pocket. <laughs> Thurston stands looking sheepish as Gilligan explains to the skipper, Mr. Howell is saving me from getting stuck with $3 million. <laughs> the skipper, not believing what he's hearing, leans into Gilligan asking, what? Gilligan continues explaining, instead of giving me money, he gave me an oil company. The skipper yells at Gilligan, why do you want an oil company? <laughs> Gilligan says, Mr. Howell can explain it better than me. The skipper slowly turns to Thurston as he himself has anything at all to do with any of this and says, yes, Hal, start explaining. Thurston says, you see, I settled the debt by giving Gilligan one of my oil companies. Thurston reaches over and grabs his briefcase in an attempt to leave. Gilligan reads the paper and says, I'm president of Tehachapuku Oil and Mining Corporation. The skipper takes it and says, to hatch a puku, oil and mining? What is that? <laughs> Thurston explains, well, that's 200 acres of land in Dust Bowl, Oklahoma. The skipper raises his voice again, asking, Dust Bowl? Never heard of it. What part of Oklahoma is that in? <laughs> Thurston says, well, sometimes it's north and sometimes it's south. It depends on which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> Thurston quickly walks away. The skipper says, in other words, Gilligan is the proud owner of a worthless oil company. Mm. Thurston looks at the skipper and says, what do you mean worthless? I got $3 million for it. <laughs> Thurston then laughs his ass off and leaves the hut. Gilligan looks up at his daddy and says, <laughs> I guess I didn't do such a smart thing, huh? 
The skipper says, I'm afraid not. Gilligan looks up at the skipper and asks, what's our next move? The skipper looks down at Gilligan and says, your next move is to get out of my chair, Gilligan. Oh, shit. Gilligan stands and says, okay, daddy. (laughs) The skipper looks at Gilligan and says, skipper. Gilligan, skipper. Damn. You haven't paid for it. You haven't paid me enough to call me daddy. I don't know. Now that he's broke, he's like an orphan again. Oh. He is. Nobody loves him except Marianne. Mm. I hope some of Thurston. Uh, I hope really. I love some of Thurston's facial expressions. Like I, I know yeah. I said that before. It's just he's just so funny. I found myself pausing it at certain times to type stuff, and it was always fucking funny. Like Thurston, <laughs> he's always so talk, like messed up faces. Um, but also, just because you own property, it doesn't mean you have a corporation. It just means you own the property. Well, I think it's a company. So the company owns the property? Yeah. I mean, okay. did you know about the McDonald's Corporation? Yeah, but that's just, it's, it's just weird the way they try to explain it in this. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So this is where we take our next break. Mm-hmm. So Gilligan won $3 million in a bet with Mr. Howell. But instead of paying on it, he gives Gilligan property that isn't worth anything close to $3 million. Will Gilligan make a big farm for him and Marianne to live on? Mm. Or will his skipper daddy take it from him and have him living in the barn? Oh, we'll be back. comic book fan we've got a few questions for you were you obsessed with x-men as a kid did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of superman in the black poly bag did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves then have we got the show for you Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind-the-scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more! You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app, and remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. are back oh man that was a good break my butt needed some stretching not my whole my butt as a my butt as a whole well not this is a family show not my butt whole my my whole butt my butt as a whole not as you know what i mean stop stop so (laughs) last week when we recorded it was 
prior to Halloween. Now it's post Halloween. <laughs> and I know yeah. everybody all week long. I know everybody's like, I cannot wait to hear what Tack did for Halloween. Because I know, <laughs> I know he just threw some crazy shit together. So, yeah. and I know he went and, and bought that big ass giant garbage bag full of candy. And him and his him and his son mm-hmm. sat on the couch and like gorged on all this candy and sat there watching like the scariest fucking movies of all times, you know, probably with Stephen King <laughs> sitting in the room with him, kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us what kind of craziness happened at at, at Van Sickle Manor. <laughs> okay, okay. So um, on Halloween night, right? Right. Well, first of all, let me back up for the night oh, before shit. Halloween. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. This story starts. On the 30th oh, of October. Damn. Yeah. So here I am sitting in the house and, uh, you know, preparing for what's going to happen. Yeah, the next of course. Day. Yeah, you have to. So, and then the doorbell rings. And I'm like, who the fuck? You know, it's 2022. Somebody knocks on your door. You're like, what the fuck? You want to get your gut yeah, out? It's you like, know? what? You don't know how to text? <laughs> right. Yeah. So the doorbell rings. I'm like, who the fuck is here? So I open the door. So your doorbell rang and you looked at the door like, check out this motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, so that's what you did. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I open the door and there's a family out there with a little kid. Like, trick or treat. I'm like, it's the 30th. Oh, yeah. What is Wait going on here? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was it after midnight? <laughs> no. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, because uh, my porch light was on. Right. right. I was like, oh, uh, sorry. I didn't know. I don't. And they're like, oh, okay. Did you direct them to the soup kitchen down the street? (laughs) (laughs) And the dad gave me the stank eye. And I was like, "Hmm." so apparently around here, they do two nights of trick-or-treating. And I was talking to my sister about that. And she was like, yeah. It's like, it's weird that like some places only do one night of trick-or-treating. And I was like, oh, you mean the rest of the country? You should have been like, they have a name for that. Hold on. What was it? Called? I might have to Google it. What's it called? Um, that's right. It's called normal. That's what it's called. Normal. Right. <laughs> so they do two nights here, apparently. So whatever. I didn't know that. So I wasn't so, prepared. So it's kind of like Hanukkah, but for Halloween. <laughs> two crazy nights. <laughs> and, uh, so here it is Halloween night now. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. So it's Halloween night. Right, right, right. And, well, first of all, I don't have any candy to hand out trick or treat, so I make sure my light's off. Okay. okay. Oh, so now, now it's now it's creepy and shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, well, I didn't turn my house light, just the porch light oh, was off. Oh, okay. So then I sat on the couch. Right, right. While my son was in his room. Oh, damn. Talking to his friends, and then I was out by like, I don't know, nine o'clock. Was his friends like, what's your favorite scary movie? Was it was he like that? I don't know. Oh. I didn't really see my son until the next day. Right. Oh, oh. No, that was it. That's all we did. I didn't oh, do anything. Oh. Just well, sat on the couch. So wait a minute. You told us a story about how, oh, we have this tradition where we go buy candy and sit in front of the TV and yeah. watch it. What we happened usually all that? do. I'm broke, so I couldn't afford any candy. So. Hmm. Is your TV yeah. broke? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> No, but my son was in his room having fun with his friends. So you could have mixed up some peanut butter and maple syrup and eaten that. <laughs> well, I don't have any maple syrup. Oh, okay, okay. 
Uh, <laughs> peanut butter maple syrup. <laughs> oh my god, that's from childhood, man. I know. Steel trap, I mean, my brother. Steel trap. <laughs> I mean, I remember that. I'm just surprised you remember that. <laughs> you told me that one time when we were we were in your house. To it was right around the time where I was like, piece of glass over the top. That whole thing. And <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you were like, yeah, me and my sister used to mix up peanut butter and maple syrup. I'm like, really? Like you were allowed? Like. And you're like, yeah, you want to try it? No, no, don't. <laughs> what do you mean you were allowed? You know, well, because if I'm, if I would have came out in the kitchen, or my mom would have came out in the kitchen, and I was making, you know, this concoction of maple syrup and and peanut butter, she would have, she make get that shit that like that stuff is expensive. I'm not wasting my peanut butter <laughs> maple syrup on you. You know that whole thing. <laughs> well, you got to remember too, we're latchkey kids. You know, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so on my Halloween, yeah. What right? about yours? You know, I, I thought I thought I might dress up for work, right? Mm-hmm. So I put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. So I, I kind of I t- I have this Friday the Thirteenth um, hockey jersey that I was going to wear, right? Yeah. And I and I bought it, and some of the sleeves have little rips in them, and I didn't like the way it ripped, so I I, I was really careful about cutting it really strategically up past the rips so that it would look mm-hmm. like a normal hockey jersey, right? And it yeah. came with this hockey mask and all this kind of stuff. And you know, and I and I got ready for work and I look, I was like, oh man, you know what would you know what would be even better? You know what would be even better? Mm-hmm. If I didn't wear it. So I didn't <laughs> <laughs> So in, instead I went to work without a costume on. And um yeah. there was a total in the entire second shift there was a total of three people that dressed up. One guy yeah. had a um, one of those inflatable costumes. It was like it looked like he was riding a little donkey. Um, <laughs> right, right. One girl dressed up like a witch, and one guy dressed up. He just really had a top hat and some glasses on. I don't really know what he was trying to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> was he like a Monopoly guy? <laughs> yeah, and, and but I later found out that they had made up enough gift baskets for like seven people to win. So if I would have just worn mm. that jersey, I would have got a whole gift basket for Halloween. Huh. So I was kind of disappointed with myself. Then I came yeah. home from work, and uh, and it, uh, you know that was it. <laughs> you didn't do anything with the kids? And I was at work. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but I worked did, second shift. Did your wife do anything with the kids? No, Luke doesn't eat candy. So, huh? He doesn't like candy. He doesn't like soda. He doesn't like the only kind of ice, the sweetest thing he'll eat. Is like vanilla ice cream. That's it. With nothing on it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. So our Halloween was uneventful. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. I dressed up mm-hmm. like a dedicated employee for Halloween. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Mm. I played the part. Good for you. Yes. Good for so, you. I just want to get all that out of the way because I know everybody was wondering what Tech and Jimmy did for Halloween. Mm-hmm. So now you know what we did. Now you know what kind of wild and crazy guys we are. We are two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you ready to 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 drive back into this? No. Are you ready to to stroke back into the, I think I already used that last time. Could just 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 do it. Okay. Stop. Right. Yeah, let's just uh, So when we left off, <laughs> Gilligan had won a bet with Thurston for three million dollars. Wow. But instead got a useless oil company. 
Will he hmm. get his money back after all? Or be swindled by Thurston Howell the third? Ooh, that sly fox. The wolf of Wall Street. Hmm. Well, let's find out. Let's get back into this. All right. Scene eight. Later on, we see the group seated at the dinner table where everyone is preparing to eat. Everyone that is except Marianne, who has her back to the table glaring at Gilligan. And Gilligan, who's making coffee at the fire and looking depressed. Gilligan tried to put it in the wrong place, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) As Skipper yells, Gilligan, hurry up with that coffee, you little bitch. (laughs) Gilligan yells, coming right up, Skipper. Thurston points and asks Levy, pass me those mango preserves, will you, my dear? Levy hands them to him, saying, they're full of vitamins, darling. Thurston begins eating, saying, thank you. It'd be funny if she did that for everything. <laughs> like a pineapple. That's full of water, darling. And just every single thing he ate. That's full of fish, darling. Sorry. <laughs> Finally, Marianne turns and says, really, Mr. Howe? I think you businessmen are terrible. How could you eat a thing after what you've done to poor Gilligan? She then turns away with her arms crossed. Thurston says, the lion always gorges itself after a kill. Oh, damn. It's the nature of the beast. Oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm. The skipper looks at him and says, I still say it was a dirty trick. Kid wakes up this morning. He's a millionaire. Look at him now. He's waiting tables. Ginger speaks up saying, yes, you really ought to be ashamed of yourself, Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell says, don't blame me. I can't help it if the kid's squandered it on a bad investment. The professor then walks up and says, but you're the one that sold it to him. Thurston replies, I'm not known as the Wizard of Wall Street for nothing. Oh, damn. I know. He then turns and smiles at Levy, who begins to brag, saying, Nobody gets the better of Thurston Howell in a business deal. When it comes to making money, he has a green thumb. The skipper says, All right, Mr. Howell, if you're such a wheeler dealer, how come you bought that phony oil property? Thurston says, I didn't buy it. It was a wedding gift from Levy's father. Levy turns to Thurston and says, Thurston, you know how embarrassed Daddy was when he found out what Dust Bowl Oklahoma really was. He thought he'd given us a football stadium. Thurston adds, till after the wedding. Thurston then looks at his watch and says, oh, I almost forgot. It's time for the 10 o'clock Wall Street News. See, I wouldn't have thought it was a bowling alley. Why would it be a football stadium? Because <laughs> it's a bowl? Yeah, but they're all bowl. Well, kind of. Some of them aren't really bowls. They have bleachers on either side, but. I don't know, because it's called like Orange Bowl. And oh, I thought that was the game that was called that. No. Because, <laughs> you know, like a stadium is like a bowl. I feel like we sound really <laughs> stupid right now. <laughs> Jenny is like laughing at us right now. <sighs> Thurston then reaches over and turns on the radio. The announcer on the radio says, and the industrials are up 1.2 over yesterday's close. Now for the big news on Wall Street. Thurston Howell has done it again. Not really listening, Thurston says, well, good for him. Wait a minute, that's me. What have I done? The announcer says, a huge oil strike has been reported on the Howell Holdings in Dust Bowl, Oklahoma. <laughs> Reports indicate that this could be the richest oil field ever found in the state. The camera looks around and the skipper is smiling and beaming. The professor, on the other hand, has this weird, I want to say like growth or rash on his face. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might be pink eye. 
I'm not quite sure. What oh, that oh, oh! Did did it look like this? Yeah, that, that was yeah. that was a smile again. Like that's yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, you're not used to it. Yeah, it's, you know when okay. when Skipper's looking creepy, it's that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, the professor smiles apparently, so. <laughs> and the announcer continues. However, as black gold gushes into the Oklahoma sky, everyone is asking the same question: Where is the man who owns the fabulous? to Hachapuku Oil and Mining Company. Thurston reaches over and turns off the radio in frustration. Skipper stands up and says, I'll tell you where he is. He's right here having a nice breakfast with his daddy. What? (laughs) 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 Because all of a sudden he wants him to call him daddy again. He just realizes he's got a bunch of money. (laughs) Skipper stands and picks up one side of the bench and forcing Thurston to slide off into into and onto the sand, saying, move over and make a little room for my boy, Howl. And soon Ginger and Marianne are running over to Gillian with a big smile. Oh, damn. That all really happened? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You didn't see it? I thought it, was, I thought it was the one where they said he's right here laying on the floor. No, that's the I end. I guess that's later. That's the end. That's okay. The, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it's so lame that he considers himself a lion. Like, <laughs> why? Just because he's so not like he's just like what a thief. You know what I mean? Like he's not right. There's nothing lion about that. He's just you know what I mean. The only reason he's alive at all is because of the rest of them. Like he's by no means like the man in charge by any stretch of imagination. Like if it he's wasn't a- if if him and Lovey would have been stranded there by themselves, they would be dead. <sighs> Because they don't know shit. They don't know how to do anything. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's not referring to survival. He's referring to finance and yeah, business and all that. He's like a lion. He, he takes out a kill and like kills like the weak with, ones out. You know, make believe money that they can't get because they're stranded on an island. Like it, I don't. It's just lame. Well, yeah, you're referring to right here, right. yeah. But in the business world, he's like you remember, he's like yeah. one of the top billionaires. You know, he knows how to like do this. But also on that same note, like I don't understand why he's allowed to eat. Like, again, start charging the shit out of everything. Like, like no, you're the one that has that. You just won $3 million, right? So you can start paying for the shit that you want. Like, how about that? Um, hmm. So, I don't know. So, subtlety is not their biggest feature is what I wrote. Who's, who's subtlety? <laughs> I don't know. I think I was referring to everybody just... I don't know. Oh, you must have been talking about how they were like straight up like, that's fucked up, Mr. Howl. You know, how their attitude is like that. I don't even think I wrote it on the right scene. I think that might have been for when everybody was like kissing his ass. Oh, maybe. Hmm. All right. I don't know. All right. Scene nine. The next day, we see Gilligan sitting in the hut in the skipper's chair, no less. Hmm. writing on paper with sleazy skipper come walking in with that big stupid grin on his big stupid face (laughs) he busts out with hello son you know like a liar (laughs) when he does gilligan quickly puts the paper away saying hi skipper the skipper looks at him and says "Uh, uh, uh." gilligan corrects him saying i mean hi daddy (laughs) the (laughs) skipper The skipper being nosy asks, and what's my boy doing there? Gilligan says, well, it's sort of a surprise. 
The skipper asks, what kind of surprise? Gilligan says, well, everybody's been so nice to me. I thought I'd take all my money and buy him presents. Hmm. The skipper, thinking this is all about him, takes his hat off and says, that's very nice of you, Gilligan, as he begins to wash his face in a bowl of water. Gilligan goes on explaining, the professor likes to experiment, so I thought I'd buy him a science laboratory. Hmm. This makes the skipper begin to stand up quickly, bumping his head in the process. The skipper turns around with a look of, check out this motherfucker, (laughs) saying science laboratory. Gilligan says, yep, I wanted to buy him a tie, but I don't know if he wears one. (laughs) I want to get Marianne the biggest farm in Kansas. The skipper, seeing all this money dwindling away, says, hold it, Gilligan. Those are pretty expensive gifts. Gilligan says, what good is money if you can't do something nice for friends? Hmm. The skipper, seeing what Gilligan means, says, you don't have to spend a fortune doing it. Real friends don't care. It's not the gift that counts. It's the thought. By the way, you know, have you like thought about what you're going to get me? (laughs) <laughs> Gilligan says, no, you're not a friend. You're a family member. Remember? Mm. Oh, shit. No, I wish he would have said that. That would have been awesome. <laughs> no, he said, um, <laughs> Gilligan says, oh, you get the best present of them all. The skipper turns and says, Gilligan, I don't want you to spend a lot of money on me. You know, like a liar. <laughs> Gilligan says, you don't? The skipper replies, no, sir. Gilligan then begins to cross off what he had written down for the skipper. (laughs) The skipper suddenly feeling the opposite stops him saying, of course, if you've already gotten it, I wouldn't want to take it back. (laughs) You know, like, what did you get me? (laughs) Gilligan says, I can't tell. It's kind of a surprise. The skipper eggs him on saying, come on, Gilligan. But Gilligan doesn't budge, simply saying no. The skipper tries a different tactic saying, not even a little hint. Gilligan playfully says, nope. Mm. Finally, the skipper yells, Gilligan, what did you get me? Gilligan yells, a boat. Mm. The skipper yells in surprise, a boat. He then grins his big stupid smile saying, (laughs) you shouldn't have. Gilligan, thinking he's serious, says, well, I haven't yet. The skipper (laughs) looking at Gilligan much like he looks at Ginger and says, but you're gonna. Oh my god, that got dark. Yeah, Gilligan stands and says, Yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. You bet I am. The skipper, (laughs) not letting this go, asks, You know, like, what kind of boat are you getting me? Gilligan says, I don't know, skipper. How about one like the minnow? The skipper changes his entire demeanor, saying, What would I want with a tub like that? Gilligan, not really wanting to argue, when he's trying to do something nice, says, you can have any boat you want. I'll get you lots of other presents, too. The skipper says, I don't know what to say. I better get out of here before I start bawling like a baby. <laughs> Gilligan, who's now following him around, asks, are you all right, skipper? The skipper says, I'm just a little choked up. Gilligan, mm-hmm. beginning to follow him, says, maybe I better go with you. The skipper insists, no. No. You stay right here and finish that list. Oh, and another thing, I don't want those vultures coming in here taking advantage of you. So keep this door locked. Gilligan says, I don't have a lock. 
The skipper hmm. says, oh, that's right. Well, don't let anybody in this hut. Understand? That's an order. Gilligan salutes and says, aye, aye, sir. The skipper salutes back out of habit, but catches himself and pats Gilligan saying, son. <laughs> what is it? I mean, I, it's a rhetorical question, but what, what does the skipper care what he spends? Like, what the fuck? It's not his money. Um, and how could he have gotten anything because they're on an island? Know. He even says, well, <laughs> if you've already, already got gotten it. it, with what? <laughs> Fucking Amazon Prime. Like, well, what? What? how did he order it? Like, <sighs> yeah. But also, if he's so worried about Gilligan and people talking to him, where the fuck is he going? Why is he leaving? <laughs> what know. could he, of all people, possibly have to do on that island? <laughs> I don't know. Skipper stuff? Take a dump, take a piss, get something to eat. That's it. Like, that's the only thing he, like. Oh, maybe. I mean, just fucking take him with you. I don't understand. Like, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, somebody's getting spun up here. Okay. Scene ten. <laughs> Gilligan walks over to the bookshelf and begins to think, saying, "I think I'll buy Marianne the whole state of Kansas." <laughs> <laughs> Gilligan walks back to the chair, looking at his list. He drops his pen, bends down to pick it up. And comes to fifth. <laughs> <laughs> and comes what was to that? F- <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. It's like your, <clears throat> it's like your mouth just turns off. <laughs> he drops his pen, bends down to pick it up, and comes face to face with Ginger's. Dress. Mm, I thought you were say something else. <laughs> he nervously stands up as Ginger says, Anybody home, Gilligan? Gilligan turns his head sideways as he reads her dress. You know, the white dress, the one that she's been wearing for the past three or four oh, episodes. Right, yeah, yeah. It says, SS Minnow on it. Ginger asks, What's the matter? Gilligan asks, New dress? Ginger says, Like it? I made it out of your duffel bag. I hope you don't mind. You can fit things in it. Like the guy suggested earlier. Maybe they can come up with some more things. That must have been a huge duffel bag. <laughs> yeah. Gillian glances at her dress and says, No, my duffel never looks so good. Skipper said nobody can come in here while he was gone. Ginger seductively says, Well, I just wanted to talk to you. Gillian points and says, Well, let's go out there. And they both walk outside the hut, fulfilling the captain's wish That's and true. orders. Yeah, but he also told him not to leave. So Did he? I thought he did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in trouble. Why is he why is he acting like he hasn't seen that dress yet? Like we've all seen that dress. Like what the fuck? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Guess he's just like me, he doesn't pay attention to, you know, clothing. Yeah, plus he's not the brightest crown in the box, so hmm. Scene 11. Mm. As Gilligan and Ginger walk out of the hut, Ginger says, I know how. No, she didn't talk like that. What am I talking about? I know how <laughs> busy you are with your oil wells and everything, but I just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. <laughs> Ginger then wraps her arms around Gilligan's neck, putting a scarf on him as Gilligan insists, No, I'm not busy. Ginger goes on. Oh, I think it's absolutely thrilling the way you outsmarted Mr. Howell. <laughs> Gilligan mm-hmm. confused asks, It was? 
Ginger <laughs> confirms, yes. <laughs> Ginger spins him around by the scarf and says, I never dreamed you were so clever. <laughs> Gilligan, trying to pull away from her, says, neither did I. What did I do? Ginger sits him down and says, you're so modest. Everyone knows that that land wasn't worth a cent until you took it over. <laughs> she, <laughs> she gets closer and closer to Gilligan as she says, you're a very remarkable man, Gilligan. <laughs> she leans in close to Gilligan, causing him to fall backwards into a tub of water. Apparently, <laughs> apparently they have horses. Yes, yeah. Ginger <laughs> kneels. <laughs> Ginger kneels down next to him and says, "I think your life story would make a wonderful movie for some studio." <laughs> Gilligan, perhaps calling bullshit, asks, "What studio would want to make a movie about me?" <laughs> Ginger, finally getting to the point, says, "Any studio you owned." <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I just love to f- to star in it. <laughs> Sorry, I kept skipping to the wrong line. Oh. Gilligan says, "What we're all thinking, but you don't look a thing like me." <laughs> Ginger corrects him, saying, "No, silly. We'd get Rock Hudson to play you. I'd play your wife." <laughs> Ginger then kisses her finger and tries to put it on Gilligan's lips, but he pulls backwards dunking himself underwater. Ginger gets up as Gilligan says, but I'm not even married. Ginger argues saying, you would be if you look like Rock Hudson. Bitches only turn up with their friends. Yeah, I can't make this shit up, bitch. <laughs> they begin to walk away just as Mr. Howell runs up saying, there you are, Gilligan. He turns to Ginger and says, please forgive me a moment, will you? And shoves her away. Mm-hmm. He then grabs Gilligan by the arm and says, I just want to steal a little of Gilligan's time. They run off into the woods, but is stopped by the skipper who drags the two of them back saying, I know what you want to steal and you're not getting away with it. Oh, shit. Thurston argues, I was merely inviting Gilligan to dinner. The skipper seeing through this charade <laughs> says, fine, we'd be glad to come. Mm. Thurston points and says, you'll be there too. The skipper says, I think I'd better be. Thurston says, fine, fine. Glad you could come. I thought you were standing watch duty tonight. Mm. The skipper says, oh, I am Mr. Al. In fact, I'm going to stand guard duty until I can get Gilligan off of this island. Mm. He then closes Gilligan in the hut and stands in front of the door like a prison guard. Hmm. So, isn't Rock Hudson gay? Not anymore. Is that because he's dead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. That's messed up. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was that was uncalled for. No, Rock Hudson was gay. Yes, I don't think he was openly <laughs> gay, and I don't think it was something that people no. found out until after he passed away. But um, but to answer your question, yes. Rock Hudson. Kind of like Robert Reed. What's that? Kind of like Robert Reed. Nobody knew until after he died. As soon as he died, everybody was like, dude, dude, you guys are not going to believe this shit. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as he died, Flohem was like, hey, do you want to hear something? Come here. Come here. I got something to tell you. <laughs> Damn. That's messed up. Yeah. Why doesn't Ginger actually kiss anyone? Like, 
Like she doesn't like, I feel sorry for her boyfriends because she's just like, Oh, good night. And then kisses her finger and puts it on his mouth like that. What are you doing? <laughs> Nobody does that. That's not a thing. She's like, Oh, sorry. I thought I forgot. This is the ninth date. Kisses her <laughs> finger to touch, touches the penis head. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if she like, you want a French kiss? And she licks her finger and sticks in his mouth. Like, Will you stop? <laughs> this isn't a thing. Licks her, finger, licks her finger, touches the head of his penis. <laughs> Nobody does this. Um, well, I think this is just like, you know, strippers kind of like, like to be flirty and then they'll kiss you on the cheek, like, mm, you know, whatever. I think it's the same thing. Like, I think if she's in a relationship or something like that, and she's straight up going to like, you know, mouth hug him or whatever. <laughs> um, I really hope his watch is waterproof. Was it got wet? <laughs> but then again, if he's a sailor, his watch probably is waterproof. So plus he's a millionaire. Hello. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. But why have three million dollars? We can when you can have three thousand dollars. <laughs> no. <laughs> Scene twelve. Back at the house hut, we see Lovey all gussied up in a floral dress and a pearl necklace. Ew. No doubt given to her by Mister Howell <laughs> or Gilligan when Mister Howell wasn't around. Just, oh shit! You never know, man. Hmm. She turns and says. It's so nice that you could come. <laughs> and that's it. And she gives a little wink and a smack on the ass. <laughs> she probably said that to, to Mr. Howell a lot. <laughs> We're delighted to have you. She walks over to Skipper and Gilligan and asks, I'll have dinner ready in a few minutes. I'm just finishing up the bananas. Mr. Howell says, all right, love you, my dear. Take all the time you want. But then turns to Gilligan and says, oh, Gilligan, would you take a chair, please? <laughs> you should have <laughs> picked it up and started walking out with it. No, Gilligan, <laughs> I meant sit down. Would you take a chair, please? When the skipper tries to walk over to sit, Thurston points him in another chair saying, Captain, how's this chair for a man of your rather, shall we say, but when he turns to address the skipper, he sees that the skipper is proudly sitting on Gilligan's oh, lap. Damn. <laughs> I know. Thurston says, oh, are you both comfortable in that chair? <laughs> skipper speaks first saying, no, but we're safe. <laughs> mm, okay. Thurston chuckles and says, say, that was some news we heard this afternoon on the radio, wasn't it? The skipper says, sure was. Thurston's still trying to address Gilligan. Past the skipper says, Oh, Gilligan, how does it feel to be in... Hey, Gilligan, how does it feel to be in the oil business? Skipper, butting in yet again, answers the question for Gilligan, saying, How does it feel to be out of the oil business, Mr. Howell? Oh, damn. Oh, shit. Damn, no, he didn't. Thurston laughs it up like, along with the skipper, saying, Oh, I must say the joke is on me. Mrs. Howell and I laughed all afternoon. <laughs> the skipper, not believing a word of what he's hearing, says, I'll bet. But Thurston, and jumping at the chance, quickly says, how much? What? <laughs> the skipper, realizing what he said, puts his hand up and says, purely a figure of speech. Thurston looks at the skipper and says, surely you're a man of the world. You see nothing wrong with, shall we say, a game of chance? Skipper, keeping a level head, says, it all depends on what the game is. Thurston, trying to pose no threat, asks, what kind would you like? 
With a flourish, he produces them saying cards, dice, roulette. But the skipper sees right through Hal's tricks and says, not interested, Hal. There's only one game that I ever gamble on, and that's pool. Mr. Hal thinks and asks, pool. Skipper says, were you to have a pool table? I might be interested in placing a bet. Mr. Hal walks around the table and yanks the tablecloth off, showing a full-size pool table. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Thurston begins to chalk his cue, asking, shall we lag for a break? Gilligan and the skipper walk over and look at the table in disbelief. Soon Bobby Brady steps out to break. Oh, man. And now everybody's showing up for this one. Yeah. Did you get that joke in there? It wasn't my joke. It was their joke. Where What's skipper's that? like, the skipper's like, I bet. And he's like, how much? Oh, that's, that's what he that's said. How much? Oh, okay. Um, why the hell is the skipper wearing a jacket? <laughs> I think they were just trying to give the appearance of them coming over. Oh. And they were, they were each were like holding their hand, their hats in their hands. And they were in a jacket. You know, I was expecting them to right. be like, can I take your jacket? You know, it's like so stupid. Because, I mean, they, they make it known this is a tropical island. Yeah. And Lovey had said earlier that it was a month with no R's in it, which would have been May, June, July, or August. The four mm-hmm. hottest months of the year. <laughs> right. So why the hell is he wearing it? But I get it. Um, <laughs> why would Mr. Hal be out of the oil business? He only gave them one of his oil companies. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Um, and plus, the skipper never said yes. He just said he might be interested. Yeah. And why is the skipper placing a bet at all anyway? What does it matter? Right, exactly. He can bet the skipper all day, but it's <laughs> Gilligan they want to skip, that he wants to bet with. Exactly. So. Hmm. But I don't know about you, but I wouldn't place any bet on that table. It's most likely not regulation. Seeing well, that, that it's probably rigged. Island built and all, you know. Well, plus he probably made it so that he would win. Yeah. But anyways. Hmm. Scene 13. A bit later, we see Thurston finishing up the game saying, nine in that pocket, 10 over there, and 11 the hard way in there. Yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. Thurston walks down to the end of the table and says, let's see. I'll do it banking off of the... He pokes the skipper in the stomach and makes all the balls in. Thurston reaches over and moves a clothespin to the left, signifying he won five games in a row. A bit later, we see him calling another shot, saying the 11 in the far pocket, the two over there, the three up there, and the seven in the pocket right here. He makes the shot and moves a clip, signifying he's made 10 games. A bit later, we see Thurston again calling a shot, saying 13 and 10 in this pocket, the two in the side pocket, the nine and 14 up here, respectively, the eight in that pocket, the 11 in there, and the, f- and the little four ball down here. And what I call a difficult but delightful shot. Hmm. Soon, Carol Brady comes in and asks, "When are the, <laughs> when are you men going to come in and eat?" <laughs> sorry, Jimmy, t- we're on the wrong show. Uh, um, sorry, Gillian's yeah, out. <laughs> the skipper, looking depressed, says, "Just one more game, Mister Howell." Lovey says, "But your breakfast is getting so cold." <laughs> Thurston makes the last ball in, and the skipper, unable to admit defeat, yells, "Rack him up again, Howell." Thurston looks at the skipper and says, why don't we settle up before we start another game? Hmm. The skipper getting irritated says, settle up. Why for? You sank my battleship. Thurston says, you owe me quite a lot. The skipper, apparently unaware that they're even betting, says, I beg your pardon. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do I look like the type of man who'd run out on a $12 million bet? <laughs> Thurston answers honestly saying, as a matter of fact, you do. Thurston pushes past him and says, however, if Gilligan will just sign this note, Gilligan seems to be far more on top of things than the skipper at this point asks, <laughs> what kind of note? Thurston, not really answering the question, simply says, it's just a note. He then hands it to Gilligan and says, just sign right there at the bottom. Gilligan, my boy. Hmm. Gilligan reads it. It says, I owe you 12 million payable on demand. Thurston urges Gilligan saying, just sign at the bottom. The skipper tells him, don't worry. I'll win it back for you the first chance I get to shoot. Gilligan signs the note and hands it back to Thurston saying, I know you will, Skipper. As soon as Thurston has the note, the Skipper yells, rack him up. I think his luck is just about to change. Thurston smiles and says, it already has. I want my 12 million now. Hmm. The Skipper yells, now? He just signed a note for you. Thurston informs him that the note says, payable on demand, and I demand payment. Hmm. Gilligan panicking says, well, I don't have that much money. Thurston says, well, certainly. You have something worth $12 million. Watch Cufflinks. Oil company. <laughs> Gilligan smiles and says, oh, yeah, my oil company. <laughs> Gilligan pulls the paper from his back pocket as Thurston says, no, no, it's my oil company. Mm. Thurston walks out. Thurston walks out of the hut laughing, saying, the Wizard of Wall Street strikes again. <laughs> so a couple things like. How can the skipper not see this coming? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and why does he continue to keep betting with him? And why does Gilligan have to pay off the skipper's debt? That's what I was wondering. Like, why, how did Gilligan dra get dragged into this? I don't know. I love how they're using rocks as chalk. Like, I don't know if you saw it, but just, <laughs> it was it was just a rock. Like, it hadn't it was doing nothing to the queue at <laughs> all. It was just a rock. And also the cues don't even have an end on them. They're just pieces. Of <laughs> yeah. so, um, their breakfast is getting cold. They went for dinner. I know, but they were there all night playing and now it's breakfast. Did you notice that? But in the next scene, they're eating breakfast. Right. So they left and they went to eat breakfast. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't you notice that like wasn't executed? Mrs. Howell was like wearing like a nightgown. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. It just, it, that joke wasn't executed very well. Um, and it was daylight. <laughs> Yeah, Scene 14. The next day, by the lagoon, we see the Howells, the professor, and Marianne at breakfast. Oh, it was the next day. I think it was a few minutes later. But the professor greets the skipper saying, hello, I hear you had dinner with the Howells last night. Thurston answers first saying, yes, I catered Chuck Wagon affair. All you could eat for $12 million. <laughs> Gilligan <laughs> repeats, all you could eat for $12 million. That's a pretty funny one, isn't it, skipper? Skipper gets mad and pushes Gilligan into the seat shared by the professor, causing the professor to spill his drink on him. Mr. Howell looks at the watch and says, goodness, it's time for the 12 o'clock stock market report. He walks over to turn the radio, bumping into the professor in the process, making him spill his drink a second time. The professor, I don't know if you noticed this, Jimmy, tired of being right. pushed around, gives him a look like he was going to do something. Oh, but shit. But he didn't. He's like, see that? I gave his ass a dirty look. You see, you saw, everybody saw that, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Did you see that look the professor fucking gave him? 
No, I didn't say it. Because he got pushed and he like, I just was watching the professor the whole time and he got pushed and he looks at, like, he looked at Mr. Howell like, fucking do something, bitch. Even like, he was going to fight him. <laughs> and then like, Mr. Howell just ignored him and he was like, Meh. and just kind of went back to what he was doing. The professor was like, lighten up, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> the radio announcer says, and rails held steady at the close. The street's still talking about the latest news from Despo, Oklahoma. Oh, shit. Thurston asks, as if the announcer can hear him, what's the news? What news? Further investigation by the Howe Corporation has revealed the gusher's true source. A drill had punctured the tank of an oil truck, which had been buried during a big dust storm in that area. To Hachapuku, oil and mining stock is worthless. <laughs> Meanwhile, the search continues for the owner of this desolate wasteland. Once again, we ask, where is Thurston Howell? The skipper, not being able to contain himself, says, I'll tell you where he is. He's right down there. The camera pans out to show Mr. Howell has passed out on the sand. Oh, damn. Mm. See, one thing bothered me about this, and it could have been really easily tidied up. Hmm. With just a simple line change. What? Gilligan is still out $3 million, right? So, yeah. okay, yes, Thurston gave him this useless company. He stole it back. The company's not worth anything. But it would have been so much better and so much more satisfying if the because the Tehachapuku Oil and Mining Company like hit this tank or whatever it was, that they caused $3 million in damage. So... <laughs> Like now the company has to pay $3 million to fix something. <laughs> so having having Thurston find out that he just had to pay $3 million. <laughs> yeah. And his money is away from He can't stop it from happening. They're just going to take it. You know, that just would have been so much more satisfying. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, I always wondered, like, what what the hell is going on at the Hell Corporation since he's been gone? Like, because he's been missing. Like, so what have they been doing, like, at the corporations? Like, were they, you know, like... I don't know. I just always, I, something I just thought of it. I'm, I didn't just think, I mean, like I've been thinking about it since we started watching the show. Like what's going on back home with this company is like, are they still holding a seat? Are they going to eventually write them off as presumed dead and then fill his spots? I would think it would be kind of like a church where you have trustees. So I think they would have somebody that would take over his position in the case that he was to, to become missing. Right. But are those, that guy taking over, is he like running his companies into the ground? <laughs> like, are they going oh, to yeah, shit? Or they, That'd be know. funny if he found out on the island that he lost everything. <laughs> but like in the movie, in the Escape from Gilligan's Island or whatever, yeah. after 15 years, they leave the island and he just goes home and all the servants are there and shit. Like, it's, it's like nothing ever happened. <laughs> They've been there this whole time. Yeah. Still getting paid. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. That was a good one. <laughs> All right. So I have an email to read. Cool. Hmm. So this one comes to us from Bernice W. Bernice. We've heard from her before. Yeah. So she says, hi, guys. Hi. Okay. What was that? I said, hi. So he said, huggy. Huggy. <laughs> Uh, she says, I just had to contact you after listening to you talk about tides. Growing up in a coastal town, it was common knowledge that the high and low tides vary throughout the month and year. Yes, there is a high and low tides approximately every 12 hours, 
but the tides are different according to the phase of the moon. There's an astronomical tide, which the water is considerably higher, that happens when the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon are in a line. This tide is something that needs to be watched when there are storms coming, as it can cause flooding and damage. Again, growing up in a coastal town, this was always watched, observed, and talked about. Something I took for granted until I moved inland and realized most people have no idea about this. Love your podcast. Keep doing what you do. Have a sunshine day. Bernice. Very nice. Yeah, we, we live, well, no, I can't really say me and Tech have lived in a coastal town because we haven't. Uh, we do live um, on the east coast of central Florida. Yeah. But the way the crow flies, like my house is something like 21 miles from the ocean. Obviously, we've been to the ocean. Me and Tech both worked at a shop that was on the ocean, but we didn't live close enough to the coast to really have that affect us. So, well, speak for yourself. Uh, my apartment was literally like, I can throw a rock almost and hit the water. Then why didn't you correct us when we talked about that? Because <laughs> I wasn't down by the water watching the tides. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, even the, though we've good. I was saying, I mean, the intercoastal was literally like maybe I don't know what how far would you say that was like? Oh, uh, from your where your apartment was? Yeah, like a thousand feet. You know, whatever. Yeah, if that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but. I, I mean, there's want. some tide in the intercoastal, but not a whole lot. Um, yeah. But my point being, even though we're from a technically like a coastal area, me and Tech really didn't spend a whole lot of time like up by the beach and stuff. So <laughs> no. Yeah. No, we didn't know any of that. Yep. But we do appreciate Even though you could say we came from a coastal town, we didn't know that. <laughs> so we, we do appreciate the, the clarification. Yeah. yeah. Good to hear from you, Bernice. Appreciate that. Appreciate yeah, that. To the end. But you know, Bernice, what we did here, we had a good time today. Remember, we do love the show. It's just good time and a lot of nostalgia. It is. And we would personally like to thank our producers from Patreon, because without you, this absolutely couldn't be possible in tech. Yeah. I got some news for you, buddy. What's up? We have a new producer to welcome. Oh, nice. Who is it? So we want to we wanna give a big, giant hug to... Hug? That sounds creepy. Is that creepy? Well, I mean, she's a she's our producer, and HR could yeah, get involved. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We would like to give a big, sturdy handshake and a look in the eye <laughs> to Casey, one of our new producers. Oh, congratulations, Casey. I appreciate it. Hell welcome, yeah. welcome. That's awesome. It's nice to have you. Good and day. also, we always give Jenny and Jim a shout out because they are the first uh, the first producers to take a uh, you know kind of a chance on us kind of thing. And um, we give them a shout out every episode because it was just so, you know, um, humbling when they decided to be producers because me and tech really like to i've said this before but me me and tech really really enjoy doing this and the fact that you guys enjoy it is enough so you know for for you guys to enjoy it so much you want to support us that's just even more humbling so casey and the rest of you guys and jenny jim we we really do appreciate it Mm -hmm, definitely oh but also we have some homework assignments Mm. first thing check out the website www.averybradypodcast.com do a rate and review. We appreciate those who have already done it recently. But hell yeah, you know, jump on there. Do a rate and review on Apple Podcast, Podchaser, and Castbox. And do fit in license plate or fit in a um, hubcap in. That was awesome. <laughs> um, tell two friends about the show. And if you don't have two friends, then you know what? Like I feel I signed up for a pen pal program. I really did, and I have a really good friend of mine that lives in Serbia. Mm. Do the same thing and just pick two random countries, and then find. Um, Find two friends. In fact, you can you can try Zimbabwe because apparently we're popular in Zimbabwe. We reached number one before. Hmm. So yeah, 
Oh, and tell them? Is that what you're saying? Oh, and tell them. Yeah, yeah. And tell them about oh, the podcast. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, send an email to the show like Bernice did. Uh, yes. Tell us how you like or dislike the show at a very pretty podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. Joining the conversation and the fun at a very pretty Facebook group. If you'd like to be a producer, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash a very pretty podcast. Check out our Instagram at a very pretty podcast. Follow us on Facebook where you get real time updates like if. You know, we're going to be later in releasing, which that never happens. <laughs> like that would happen. <laughs> this isn't fiction, Tack. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> Go check out the Retro Network. Um, they're, excuse me, they're our home network, if you want to call it that. They're a network we're a part of. And they're very much into the nostalgia. So if you like the nostalgic aspect of the show, then check out uh, the Retro Network. It's worth checking out. Where? At... TheRetroNetwork.com. No, no. Check out our shop with our affiliate link at AverybodyPodcast.com slash shop. Check out our T Public merch store because you know you want to box like a boss. You know you do. Mm-hmm. Act like you don't. <laughs> you do, right? Link is in the description of this episode. Mm-hmm. And last and certainly not least, go watch Gilligan's Island. It's a good show. You should go watch Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. And Tack now is going to tell you in the voice of lovey how you can watch it <laughs> on the next episode oh thanks darling on the next episode <laughs> season one episode 14 water water everywhere the castaways desperately try to find a new water source as they have completely exhausted their current water supply mm. i thought they fixed this in president gilling an episode once again apparently not was that just a like a fever dream that whole episode it must it had to have been. I think they made the entire season without any thought to what order they was gonna go in. <laughs> or they had like like a bunch of separate meetings with writers on how they thought like episodes should go. Cool, that's a good idea. We're gonna write that without letting the writers talk to each other on what they wrote. Hmm. Um, so. But also, you know what I think would make kind of a kind of a cool shirt? Wow. Where it, it just has it, it was just all black, right? And it says in just like plain writing, you know? Yeah. Tehacha Paku Oil and Mining Company. <laughs> and just leave it like that. And maybe like a little pineapple for like a logo. This is like Dust Bowl, Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could be cool. Huh, something to think about. Okay, yeah, okay. It'd be super easy to do. Yeah, for sure. Also, we want to remind everyone that throughout the month of December, starting on mm-hmm. December 1st, mm-hmm. we, will re- we will be returning to the Brady Bunch. Oh, the Brady Bunch. Oh, shit. And starting a four-part series. Oh, starting a four-part series for the Brady Bunch TV movie, A Very Brady Christmas. So look out for that. It'll be four episodes in a row, so weekly. And that's leading right up to Christmas. Oh. That's totes adorbs. It is totes adorbs. So what? The final episode will be after Christmas, right? Um, no. I think it'll be right before. The final episode will be on the 22nd. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, let Me us know too. what you guys think of it. Because um, I know a couple of you. Uh, there was one person. Who was it? Um, Jill, I think, maybe? Had written in saying that uh, she was really looking forward to the Very Very Christmas movie. Was it Jill? Um, I'm not sure. I know we've had some people write in and say that they're yeah, yeah. enjoying the Brady Bunch stuff and ready to get back to it. So we are looking forward to that too. Um, but also don't forget that me and Tack um, are are in the works for another podcast to come out. Yeah. 
So if you like scary movies, um, you know, it's not going to be one of those. <laughs> it's not going to be like that all the time. It's us sitting there talking about the movie and talking about what we like and dislike about it and kind of critiquing it a little bit. Um, but it's still us. We're still kind of silly. So check it out mm-hmm. if you feel like it. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, anything else? Um, no, just more details on that later as they unfold. Boom. All right. In that case, I've been Jimmy. And I've been Tack. And this has been a very Brady podcast. And we will see you on another Sunshine Day. Keep smoking. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.